You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Be a part of it. So today we are starting this sermon series in Galatians. Now why Galatians? Because when I was looking at the backdrop of Galatians in the background, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but when I was looking at that, I saw a lot of similarities between what's going on in Galatians and what Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia. Now remember, this isn't one church that he's writing to. He's writing to a bunch of churches, and what happened was they shared the letter. So the letter would come to the first church, and then they would read it, and then it would go to the second church, and then it would go to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, all through the providence of Galatia. And so what Paul was saying to the church in Galatia, he could really say to the church in the United States of America and pretty much around the world in 2023 because we are fighting a battle. And so Timothy Keller puts it this way. Timothy Keller is an author and a pastor, and he once said these words, if you can't show the difference between religion and the gospel, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. And that's what we've done. So what we say is, is that if I live a moral life, if I don't kill anyone, if I don't, if I don't swear, if I don't lie, if I don't do these things that are in the Ten Commandments, somehow I've had a changed heart. I'm doing good for Christ. Not exactly. See, Christ does something inside of us through the gospel of Jesus Christ that religion does not do. And so sometimes what we do is we confuse ourselves and we say, well, if I'm a moral person, then I'm a Christian. That's not exactly true. There's still a change that has to take place inside of you. And so what ended up happening was the Apostle Paul saw this as an issue in Galatia. And we're going to find out why he saw it as an issue. There was a specific group of people that really confused the situation and really made it worse. And by the way, I forgot to say something earlier. Let me just time out here and say thank you to Andy Becker for last week's message. I didn't get to see it because it was not recorded or on live stream. So I've been told that it was a good message. So um, I want to thank him for that. I really wanted to be here. I, I, I know you shouldn't hate much, but I really hate it when I can't be here. And uh, the way that the thing was going in our home, the sickness, it was clear to me that I should not be here for your safety and my own. And so thank you for Andy for stepping up in the last minute to take on that challenge. Back to Galatians. All right, I wanted to say that and I forgot. Is it, it's on to, it, it's, um, there's, there's something in the morality that sometimes we mistake with heart change. People can be good people. Don't you hear that? Don't you hear unbelievers say to you sometimes, why do I need Jesus? I never killed anyone. I never did anything bad. Don't you see it in the scriptures? Think of the, the young rich ruler. He comes to Jesus, and what does he say to Jesus? I've, I've followed all the rules now, we know that's probably not true, but I followed all the rules all of my life. What more could you want? 
And what does Jesus turn to him and say? Give me everything you have. Because you didn't follow all the rules. You didn't have a giving heart towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so give me some of those riches. And the scriptures literally say that the young rich ruler walked away sad. Disappointed. Could put it another way, ticked off. Because he was challenged. This has been an age-old battle. The boxing gloves have been out for years. Religion versus the gospel and the confusion of which it brings. Not because God made it confusing. Don't, don't go there. But because man did. Man did. The age-old battle has been in the church and it's been in me. And most likely, if you've been in any part of a church for any length of time, it resides in you. People have been burned, hurt, frustrated by it. And frankly, after I'm done this sermon, I pray it will be resolved, for the most part, here at Faith Church. Religion will always ruin things. But the gospel, the gospel is a clear path to freedom and a clear path to living in Christ and all the other things Paul brings to the table in Galatians. The battle that rages is why many churches or many people have chosen to never return to a church after COVID-19. You know what the statistic is up to now? 70%. Haven't returned. Haven't ever come back. Now that's over the entire nation because many times we hold dearly to religion over gospel. And friends, that's dangerous. Very dangerous. I hope we learn as we travel through the, the sod of Galatians that the true gospel is very important to our lives and to the lives of those we love who may not have yet responded to the gospel. So today we begin a journey, a journey that will keep us going until Resurrection Sunday. That's right, until Easter Sunday we will be in the book of Galatians, Lord willing. The real gospel coming to fruition because it's important that we understand what the real gospel is. That we do not follow religion, but we follow the gospel. The book of Galatians is a call, this is the background of it, for freedom and the law. Paul writes to the church in Galatia in distress that they have quickly abandoned the gospel they originally received. Here's why they did. It's, the called, it's called these people called the Judaizers who we will learn about a little bit later, but they, they were preaching circumcision and trying to put them back under the burden of the law. In other words, what the Judaizers would say is, yes, you need to be saved, but then you need to go one step farther and you need to make sure that you're circumcised or that you follow the Jewish laws. And therefore, they were adding to the gospel. And when Jesus comes to the gospel, he says, no, no, you need to know me and me alone. It's not about all these laws. 
It's about me. It's about following my will. Paul starts out telling them that this is an entirely different gospel. In fact, as John read earlier, he actually says this is no gospel at all. He writes to the church to remind them of the grace and that only means that the only means to be justified is by faith in Jesus, not by the law. Unfortunately, the fake teaching brought to the Galatian churches by the Judaizers has been extremely difficult to root out even, even today. We must walk a fine line on the one hand. We do not want to fall into the legalism that the Galatians struggled with. But on the other, we also cannot just live as if anything goes. That's the struggle. Our commitment to Christ is based on the free gift of grace through faith. But as Paul will say at the end of Galatians, it also results in a life of walking by the Spirit. If you follow gospel, not religion. This being a huge theological issue, we're going to spend some time on it today. When it comes to this debate, there are two massive traps that people fall into that help them to miss Jesus. And here's the two massive traps. This is on your sermon outline, by the way, as well, if you want to fill them in. Number one is the open rebellion. We all know people like this. I just don't jive with Jesus. I just don't jive with Jesus. And you know what, Pastor Brett? I'm not changing. This is the more obvious of the two traps. It's like a little child. You know, you, if you've parented or been a grandparent or been around children, you've watched this happen. You've told them not to do something. They're a little child that can't communicate or anything like that. You've told them, do not touch this. So they walk over to the very thing you told them not to touch, and they shake their head no, and they touch it. This is the first trap. It's open defiance. So, look, I don't care about your Jesus. I don't care to follow him. I don't care to listen to his word. I don't care about any of those. This trap is, is one that is more open. The second trap is a more secretive trap, but still damaging. Here's this trap. These folks say, I can earn God's favor with my good behavior. These folks believe that God owes them the good life. I mean, after all, I've done everything right. <clears throat> Rich young roller. I've followed every law that you ever written. I've, I, you know, I, I work hard to not do the things that you asked me not to do, and and, and, you know, I, I, have, I have prayed to you. I have read your scriptures. I have done all this. You owe me, God, the good life. You see, these folks believe in religion. That's what they believe in. They are clearly on the side of, because I do, he owes me. 
Here's what religion teaches us. This will be on the screen and also on your sermon outline. I obey and therefore God accepts me. I obey, therefore God accepts me. I earn and God rewards me. I perform and then God loves me. Not before I perform, he doesn't love me. But I have to perform. I have to do my devotions. I have to show him that I can pray. I have to show him all these good things. And then he will love me. This is far from the gospel. Because you see, the gospel says, I trust Jesus. And therefore, God accepts me. The gospel says, the gospel is about what Jesus earned, not what I earned the gospel or religion says i obey therefore god loves me gospel says god loves me therefore i obey him and follow him this is exactly what the problem was with what the judaizers those who said sure follow christ but do all these all other jewish laws because you have to follow laws because he won't accept you unless you're circumcised here's what the problem with that thinking is what about the gentiles and if you think well what's the big deal about the gentiles <clears throat> You are one in some ways. So if we don't follow the Jewish laws, we don't get the salvation because we didn't perform, so therefore God doesn't love us. And the Apostle Paul says, no, no, that's not at all the gospel. The reason Paul is so frustrated here in the first chapter and in the reading that was read for us is because they have turned from the gospel, responding to what Jesus did to religion, adding their own rules and ramifications and walls. They've basically become the Pharisees of the New Testament. Do you know that when if, if there was a situation that, that happened, and I, I've shared this before, but I just want to remind you that back in, in the day, if, there, if a situation happened and there wasn't a law for it, they put another law in place. And so I believe there was like 600-some laws that needed to be followed according to the Pharisees. But everybody gets all shocked about the 600, but did you know that most of the 600 had A, B, C, D, E, F, G under it? So really, 600 was 1,200. Oh, if your donkey falls in a hole, you can bring him out if it's not on a Sabbath. Or, or what if he falls in a hole and he breaks a leg? Then we, can, then we can change. I'm just making up laws. Then we can change the law so we can bring him out because he broke his leg. Uh, you know, there was always changes and added to the laws. And that's why Jesus comes along and goes to battle against the Pharisees and says, no, no, guys, guys, you're missing the mark. And we'll talk about how they missed the mark in just a little bit. So what's the big deal? That's the question I asked myself as, as I prepared this message. And here's, here's some big deals. Religion promotes nose-raising of self-righteousness. 
See, when I perform better than, I'm going to pick on Andy because he was up here last week and he can take it and he's got big shoulders. When I perform better than Andy, guess what I can do? I can walk by Andy like this. Look how good I am compared to Andy Becker. Oh, Andy doesn't live up to my standards. Yeah, and I don't live up to Jesus' standards. Hmm. Mm. See, you're, next, you're better than the next person sitting next to you in your pews. Don't look at them. You can put your nose up and say, look at me. I am self-righteous because I follow the laws and I don't break a thing. And meanwhile, you're missing Jesus. And that should break your heart. Number two is promotes looking for approval from others, especially rule followers. So let's say Andy is a, Andy, I didn't mean to pick on you. I don't even have you in my notes. But Andy is, is a rule follower, and Andy's actually doing better. I know this is a shock, but it's, he's doing better at following the rules. I'm not looking at Andy this morning. But he, he, he's doing better at following the rules than me. Now, now my goal is to be as good as Andy Becker. But no one's goal should be as good to be as good as somebody in this sanctuary. There's only one that we look to. But religion says if I'm as good as somebody else in this sanctuary, then I'm good. And, and this is what the Judaizers were teaching in the Galatia church. Hey, as long as you're good to the next person, as long as you're better than the next person, as long as you follow the rules better than they did, you're good. Number three is, is that religion will always put us at war with others, ourselves, and with God. You know why? Because we will never, ever, 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 Measure up. When my focus is on religion, and yes, it happens, I won't ever measure up. I won't measure up to others. I won't measure up to myself. And I certainly won't measure up to God. And guess what that causes? War, frustration, mad, angry feelings. Why? Because you're focused on what others, yourself, and not what God thinks. And so the church in Galatia was going through this. They were promoting nose-raising. They were promoting looking for approval from others, especially fellow rule followers. And frankly, they were at war with others and themselves and with God because they didn't have their eyes on who they should have had their eyes on. And because of that, there was never peace. There was always strife and division. Why? Because when you look at me as an imperfect pastor and you say, if I don't measure up to this imperfection, Guess what? You're going to be at war for the rest of your life and you're only going to want to cause division. You're never going to want to have peace. You're never going to have peace with God because God says, 
No, no, it's not about what you did. It's what I did to pay for your sins. It's about me, not you. And when you have that kind of attitude that you are just looking at, hey, listen, I got to follow this. I got to make sure I'm with this. I'm with you. You're never going to have peace with God. And you're certainly not going to have peace with others or within your heart. You're always going to look for the issue. Always going to pick. Because you're wrapped in religion. Religion says, i got to follow this, this, and this, and this, and if I don't follow this, this, and this, and this, I'm somehow missing the mark. And so guess what was happening in the Galatian church that Paul felt he had to write a letter? Division. Hurt. Pain. Frustration. People were leaving. Ticked off at the word. Ticked off at God all because they didn't follow the first gospel that they received. I want to put a warning out. Religion isn't just a little bit off. That's the lie we tell ourselves. It's completely backwards. Don't you dare walk out of this message this morning and say, well, if I follow religion, I'm only a little bit off. That would be the lie that Satan wants you to know. It is completely backwards from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you are not living out the gospel if you're living in religion. You're not. And it's a harsh warning. Why is it a harsh warning? We'll talk about that later. But it's a harsh warning because it can happen so fast. We can go from being gospel-focused to, to understanding all of the gospel and putting all of our focus in that to religion-focused, and then we go down this path of beating ourselves up, beating others up, and, and making mountains out of molehills. And it can, like that. So what does the gospel do? The gospel promotes our eyes turning the completed work of Jesus Christ. The gospel focuses on this. Not on how Andy Becker is following rules. It focuses on what a man did for you and I. How he shed his blood. It focuses on how he died for our sins. Unbeknownst to whatever we do, our reaction to that cross doesn't bring him down or doesn't keep him up there. He stayed up no matter what you do with it because he loved the world. See, what the gospel does is it focuses us on that. Not on everybody around us, not on ourselves. And that is so important. Number two, the gospel promotes heart change, not religious pomp and circumstance. Promotes that we change, that we have a heart change with Jesus Christ at the center of the change. Not Pastor Brett. 
not religious pomp and circumstance, get my names in the lights, make sure I'm doing everything right. No, just doing my thing, walking with Jesus. Number three, the gospel promotes understanding who people are at the, lo- at the foot of the cross and moving from that position. It doesn't pit me against the next guy or gal. No, it encourages me to love the next guy or gal because like me, they need to finish work of Christ too. See, I don't come to this with a ladder to get up higher to Jesus. You don't come to the cross with another step up if you've somehow done your devotions every day of 2023 and 2022 no no you don't do that because at the foot of the cross we all stand here and so Andy Becker is just trying to do the best he can at the foot of the cross and guess what I am too and guess what you are too and so maybe we should give to each other that kind of grace instead of saying you know ah, well that person certainly isn't lining up to me How how are they at the foot of the cross? No one at the foot of the cross, no one at the foot of the cross finds condemnation. Jesus says this in John 3.16 when he's talking to a law law follower, Nicodemus. What does he say after 16? He says, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to love the world. I came to save the world to me. So when you're at the foot of the cross, when all of us are at the foot of the cross, this is not the time for finger pointing or knocking down at the knees. This is the time to revel at the fact that God, the creator of the world, sent his son to die for our sins. It's not the time to measure up to other people. It's not even the time to measure up to yourself. How do you measure up to him? That's what Galatians was missing. The gospel is not about is about me existing for God's mission, not him existing for my agenda. That's huge when the gospel is when when the gospel is mixed up with religion, it becomes about my agenda. So what does God become? God and and you know, way back when Landon was here, we talked about this. <laughs> um, God becomes a, a, a God in a, a bottle, and a genie in a bottle. What's well, about my agenda? You get one wish. When he comes out of that bottle, you give him that wish and you get what you want. And, and sometimes that's what, the way we react to God. We want him to be a genie in a bottle, but he's not a genie in a bottle. No, no, you exist to do what he called you to do. And in case you're struggling with what that is, he answers it in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He gives every one of us a mission. And he says, now go out and and share that mission in this world. He doesn't say, do whatever you want to do. Do your own agenda. The gospel is about me existing for God's mission, 
not him existing for me to get what I want, my agenda. And that flies right in the face of religion because sometimes people think, and, and you hear it, you know, you hear it when um, someone is going through a very hard time, and, and, and I'm not saying this has happened here, but, but someone's going through a very hard time, and they'll look at me and they'll say, Pastor, I think I should be in church today because maybe that'll swing the tide. Wait. You should have been in church a long time before that. You don't come to church to swing the tide, folks. You come to church because you love the Christ who died on the cross. That's the heart of the gospel. I can remember it like it was yesterday, Happy Valley. If you don't know what Happy Valley is, it's where Penn State plays their home games. And so it's Beaver Stadium. Craig, I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, so, so I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at the Purdue game back in the day when Drew Brees played for Purdue. And, and me and my buddy were there. And maybe you remember this story, but, but they, Purdue was marching down the field and Purdue was going to beat Penn State, and Penn State was ranked like one or two, was undefeated, and, and they were going to kick a field goal. And we went to a commercial break because it's TV, and so when you go to commercial break at a game, it's just a bunch of players standing out on the field. They're kind of talking to their coaches. But that's what happens. And I remember watching the kicker on this side of the field kneel down and pray to God. And I remember watching the defense of Penn State kneel down and pray to God. And I remember as a pastor, a youth pastor, young guy who thought he knew everything but really found out quickly he didn't. In fact, I find out every day now that I don't know as much as what I think I do. Thinking to myself, what's God going to do in this situation? He's got Penn State praying that he obviously misses. They're not praying that he makes the field goal. He's got the kicker over on the other side praying And then I wondered, does it matter to God? And then I wondered, and this is where religion kicks in, how much of these guys prayed before this moment? Have they even cared to pray before this? See, those situations, I'm not going to answer that question because I still don't know the answer. But these situations are what brings it up to me of how so many are wrapped up in religion, not the gospel. So in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through, 6 through 10, it says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And we and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, 
So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Let me time out there for a second. In the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, they didn't have highlighters. They didn't have red pens to underline. And so anytime something is repeated, that's their way of saying highlighted. All right? Because they couldn't underline it. And so Paul repeats these words. Anybody who's preaching this gospel that is not the gospel should be under God's curse. Then in verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So let's look at this. Paul's frustration, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So Paul is saying here, listen, he's astonished. He's amazed, the word, the word is here. He, he's hurt by the fact of how fast it went from a gospel-centered churches, from looking at the cross of Christ and understanding that we all stand at the foot of the cross the same way to religious looking at each other and saying, as long as I'm better as the next person, then I'm good. And he's frustrated. And so the Apostle Paul comes out of Galatians chapter 1 throwing punches, basically. That's the way one commentary put it. He doesn't ease into it like, hey guys, blah, 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 blah. No, he comes out in verse 6 and says, listen, I'm astonished at you folks that you're missing the mark so badly. Verse 7 is Paul's assessment of the issue, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so we know about the Judaizers. And so he's saying, listen, this isn't a gospel because a gospel means a good news. Good news is not more laws. Good news is not more rules to follow. Good news is found in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the entire world so that they could find God, the Father, and so that they could find a relationship with him. That's good news. Good news is not saying you got to do that plus. That's not good news. And so the Apostle Paul says basically, listen, you know, they're trying to pervert this gospel of Christ. They're trying to make it more than what it is. Number three is Paul's affirmation of the one true gospel in verses 8 through 9. Here's what it says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul affirms with powerful words that the gospel is not to be toyed with. It's not up for human opinion. It is Jesus Christ dying on a cross for your sins. What you think about that really matters not. How you respond to that 
while he would love you and I would love for you to respond to it positively, I've realized that I cannot make people respond to it positively. Some people who I love very preciously called family members. I can teach it. I can share it. But I can't make them accept it. And so the Apostle Paul says here, listen, this isn't up for human discussion. Those Judaizers are flat out wrong. And they're teaching a gospel that is far from the real gospel. The if clause here is a hypothetical situation that borderlines on ridiculous. Basically, what Paul is saying is, is that the look, if the angels in heaven or I preach a gospel that is different from the true gospel, then God's curse will go on us. Here's what Paul is saying. Listen, I'm not preaching this to you to say, listen, the Judaizers will get a curse, but somehow if I preach a gospel different than yours, I will be free of a curse because that's what people do sometimes, right? We want grace for everybody else or for ourselves, but we want, we want truth for everybody else. Right? I, I want the state trooper to let me go flying by him at 90. Not that I would ever drive 90, but I want him to let me go by. But the next guy who flies by me at 100, you better bust his butt. Pull him over. Why? Because we want truth for everybody else and grace for ourselves. It's a, it's a part of, the, it's a part of the, 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 the makeup of human beings. I want the book thrown at everybody else, but I want grace when it comes to me and I do something wrong. And what the Apostle Paul says is, listen, if I preach a gospel, which he's saying is absolutely ridiculous that I would preach a gospel that's different, but if I do or even the angels in heaven do, guess what? They're under the same curse. I don't get a free charge. I don't get out from underneath this curse if I preach this false gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in that if clause that is in that scripture passage. The big idea conveyed is that if anyone preaches a contrary gospel, and indeed the Judaizers were, let them be cursed. Because when it comes to gospel truth, when it comes to living out the true gospel of Jesus Christ, God ain't playing games. He isn't like, just go do whatever you want to do. Hey, I don't care. You want to preach the gospel a different way than I put in here? That's fine. No, 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 no. You either live by the gospel or you live by religion. And if you're living by religion, you ain't living by the gospel. And that's a problem. But why is Paul so passionate about this? Because God is passionate about this. That's why Paul is so passionate about this. I want you to, I just want you to, I'm going to end with these, these three verses and then a little bit more. But these three verses, and, and here's the first verse. Listen to Isaiah 64, 6 in the first half of it. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Notice the words here. These are righteous 
acts. That means they're right acts. But they're done in such a way that they are like filthy rags to our God. Why? Because they're focused on religion, not the gospel. Okay, not convinced. Matthew 20, 23, 23 through 23, verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Focused on religion, not the gospel. Follow the laws. God loves you. God loves you. How about you follow the laws because God loves you? Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Here's what he says. I hate, I despise your religious, this is God speaking, your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Here's what's going on in Amos chapter 5. The people do all the right things in worship, but then they walk out of their churches and their temples and they go and do whatever they feel like doing. And God, God, not Pastor Brett, this is not my imagination, this is by great commentary study of folks who know the Hebrew better than I do. God looks down on them and says, I wish you would just wipe this all up. Because I'm tired of hearing you sing about my praises and then walking out of these rooms and doing whatever you feel like you wish you can do. Talking however you feel like you want to talk. Notice that he uses all the senses. Your worship is a stench to me, he says. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept you. Away from me, his hearing, the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river of righteousness. Hmm. Why is the Apostle Paul so hard on the Galatia church in verse 1? Because the Apostle Paul knows his God doesn't take it lightly when we play games with him. The Apostle Paul says, look, when it comes to religion and the gospel, if you're not for the gospel, you're missing the mark. absolutely powerful 
challenged my heart. Challenged my heart so much that, you know, there are times, and maybe I shouldn't admit this, there are times even as a pastor that you're like, do I really want to do this? Whatever this is. It's good, righteous stuff. Do I really want to do this? I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Do I really want to do this? If I'm serving the gospel, I do it because Christ loved me and would have done it for me. If I'm serving religion, I will not do it. Most likely because, you know, I can make up for that. If I do my devotions, that'll be made up for what I didn't do. If I follow this law and miss this law, then they'll, they'll equal each other out. Listen, if what he did, and please hear me on this, this is what he challenged me with this week. If, the, if what he did on this cross isn't enough for you to be involved in the gospel preaching and the gospel movement of a faith church, there ain't nothing I'm going to say that's going to make a change. I can get up here and preach every day with all the passion in the world. If what he did on this cross doesn't make you want to be involved in his work, I'm just a clanging cymbal. That's it. That's it. And why do I say that? Because he said it to me this week. Pastor Brett, if what I did on this cross when I died for you and paid for all those sins that you like to hang on to and say, are they really paid for and you like to battle me with on your past, if I really did this, and I really cared for you, and I really love you no matter what, there isn't a whole lot I'm going to say to you right now that's going to change your mind if you can't even believe in the gospel. It's your choice. But no. And again, I say this because it's been in my heart. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. In Amos chapter 5, remember, he looks back and he says, listen, you want to continue to walk out of here and do what you want to do, talk like you want to talk, be involved in the things that you want to be involved in, and not change your heart. That's fine. He doesn't tell them, you know, he wishes they would change their heart, but he doesn't argue with them. He simply says, simply says, listen, stop the music. Stop the show. Because something stinks. That's all he says. I don't know about you, but as a pastor of a church, I never want God. And I don't think he is. But I certainly never want God to look at me and say, would you stop the show? Because something stinks. And if you think this is a joke and funny, I'd read those scriptures again tonight. There's nothing funny about this. 
the gospel is serious when it comes to Jesus. And he doesn't want to follow a bunch of rules. He wants us to follow the man on the cross. Here's the way Jefferson Bethke, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, says it. The biggest difference between religious people and gospel-loving people is, is that religious people see certain people as the enemies when Jesus' followers see sin as the enemy. Mm. Those people are the problem in our country. No, sin is the problem in our country. Period. How about you get angry about that instead of those people? Jesus is angry at sin, not the people. Because the gospel gets angry at sin, not the people. Let me tell you a story of Jefferson Bethke to close up here this morning. Jefferson Bethke was a man who was doing drugs. A man who was fallen from the world. He had some, a lot of problems. And he came out with this, and if you're on our Facebook page, you saw it last night, and I can send it out in an email. It's a YouTube poem that went, that went viral overnight. Seven million people watched it in one night, according to their, their statistics. And it's called, I hate religion, I love Jesus. You want to know where the heart of that was coming? Because he sat in a church, much like the church we're in this morning, and he didn't find love. No. He found more hurt and pain. Because folks, instead of him, them looking at him as a, and not hating him, but hating the sin that's in him, they threw the stones at him. He had more hurtful comments, and he walked out of church and he vowed, I will not step back into another one. And his story isn't alone. Philip Yancey shares in what's so amazing about grace about a prostitute in Chicago who, who is walking the streets and Philip Yancey comes up to her and he's serving a church and she's right in front of his church doing her business. And she says, and Philip Yancey says to the prostitute in the, in the book, he says to the prostitute, listen, why don't you come into church? <coughs> Excuse me. There's saving knowledge in the church. Jesus loves you in spite of what you're doing. And her response is this. Why would I want to feel worse about what I'm doing? I already feel bad enough. I'm not going into your church. See, unfortunately, what we've teached the world, taught the world is, we are religious people. Follow the rules. The last time I checked, every time we go fishing, we don't clean the fish before we catch them. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yet Jesus asks us to be fishers of men. You know, uh, David Hoagland's a, a fisherman. I, I would challenge him if he said that he pulled something out of a river that already had the white wrapper and it was frozen. That's ridiculous. But that's what we expect. 
They got to come in and they got to be clean and they got to be right and they got to follow all of our rules and they got to make sure they step right and if they step off to the left or the right, we will make sure they know about it. Sure, I'm glad he didn't do this on this. You want to accept me on this? Do everything right. Step right. Don't step off to the left or the right. Don't make mistakes. Because if you do, this is all gone. Faith Church, my challenge to you in 2023 and my challenge to myself is to be a better gospel follower. Forget the religion. To follow the gospel. And that means that we make decisions that are based on grace and truth. Not based on whether people are following your rules or mine. Based on this. That's the call of the gospel. So that someday Jesus can say, wow, there's some fresh aroma coming from that faith church to my nose. Because we're following the gospel. What does that all look like? Well, keep coming. Because next week we'll get into more of what it looks like to be gospel people. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 